0: Well, good evening. So good to have you with us on a Wednesday evening live stream for our Bible study and our Wednesday night prayer meeting. We're going to take a look at the Word of God. We'll study Romans chapter 3 tonight and, and then at the end of it, take a little time and pray together. You can find a spot right where you are and pray. Now, I do have some what I think is exciting news for you before um, we get into the message. And one is, if you were here Sunday, you know that we were able to start back... Um, Junior Church and our middle school program and high school program Sunday morning. Uh, We kind of did it on July 4th on purpose, hoping for a little bit lower number, kind of give us a soft start and, to be honest, kind of feel our way through this stuff and see how it is to do things with mask on, but it went extremely, extremely well. I'm very pleased with how well Sunday went. I'm I'm very pleased uh, with the number of people that was here. To be honest, we had more people in the sanctuary Sunday than I expected to have, being July 4th weekend. Um, we had a higher number of children than anticipated in all three groups. So I'm honestly I'm, I'm thrilled with how well it went, and, and that's just um, because you guys were here. I guess you'd say you, you, you thrilled my heart by being here and bringing your children. It was very exciting. But uh, I'm looking forward to this coming Sunday. We will do we'll do the same thing. We're we're not quite ready to try children's church and nursery yet. That really is a whole different can of worms for us. That um, as you know, parents, it requires quite a bit of different stuff. But we will be doing, on Sunday, we'll do things exactly the same way. If you have a first through fifth grader, they will be in the back at junior church. When the building opens, you're welcome to go ahead and take them on back. Sign them in, as always. Uh, middle school, which is Emerge, and high school, our focus program, will be in the sanctuary until the, the music portion of the service is over. And then they'll be dismissed to get up and move over into their locations. But something new. Um, that I want to put there Um, next Wednesday we're we're gonna begin to open things back up to our children and young adults to the same age groups I'm not sure about anything fifth grade and under just yet but what we will do next Wednesday is emerge you guys get to come to church again I know a lot of you excited about that I know you've been missing it Down there with Jason and Amber, y'all guys have a great time, and and I kind of miss hearing your music down there. Usually my platform's bouncing a little bit with y'all down there singing, and it's been quiet down there, and it's been quiet in here. So we're going to have Emerge back down there singing. I'm excited about you guys being back in on a Wednesday night. Also on Wednesday night, our high school group will be meeting again in the Youth Sanctuary next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. You guys can come on in and gather up over there. Now, masks will be required, parents. Just make sure that you know when you bring your children. Nothing's any different on Wednesday than it is on Sunday or any other time on this campus. We're going to continue to do the best we can to protect the campus and protect those on the campus. We've got several members now that have COVID-19, but none of them have, thank the Lord, none of them have contracted it at church. And thank the Lord those that have had it, have they've done what they had to do and what they needed to do. Those that have tested positive have done what they've had to do and quarantining themselves. But just in the event that somebody's here and, and doesn't know it, we'll continue to do what we can to try and protect this campus. So mask will be required for Emerge. It will be required for the high school and also Bridge College and Career. I know you guys haven't been able to get together for quite some time. You've been doing a lot of things on Focus. But you'll be down in your regular space next Wednesday night. So I'm excited about moving forward. The sanctuary will be open also. Now listen. We're not gonna, I'm not going to ask the parking team and the greeting team and all those guys to be out there. The cones are out. It's every other space. Just park every other space. You go down, drop your children off, and park every other space. Get out, come in the building, be seated. You know, at some point, um, we're, we're going to just kind of hand things over to you. You know what we're supposed to be doing. Six-foot social distancing everywhere. Um, not just at church, but the church is included in that everywhere we go. So I'm going to ask if you would to make sure you keep your social distance in the parking lot. Moms and dads, you're welcome to bring your children and then come into the sanctuary. And we're all going to try to plan to finish up between 7.50 and 8 o'clock. So we'll get through about the same time. So we'll ask people to go back to their cars so that we're not creating a congregating place here on the campus. But I'm excited about that. I really am. I, uh, I was I was pretty dejected last week going into the staff meeting knowing we couldn't take the mask off and we weren't going to be able to go forward with children's programs and to be able to negotiate a way that we could open some of the children and young adult programs is very exciting to me. I was, I'm very concerned that our young people have gone 18 to 20 weeks without any church in their life. I realize you may be reading the Bible to them at home, you may be studying at home, but But they they need their friends, they need the body of Christ, they need their teachers. We all need each other. I need you in this place. I hope that somebody out there needs me. But whether you do or not, it doesn't change the fact for me. I need you. I need you here, and, and I feed off of the Spirit. Sunday morning was awesome. I've had several people talk about the Spirit that was in here on Sunday morning. I know it was for me. I greatly appreciate the Spirit that you brought. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're getting a little more comfortable with things that are the new norm. We are getting a little more comfortable with the mask. I say that. I hate it with every fiber in my body. But I still, we we are getting a little more comfortable with somewhat of a new norm. But I'll ask you this to kind of spread the word. We're getting a little too comfortable in some things, myself especially. Um, I noticed Sunday morning, and and even within the staff outside of myself, our circles are getting too small in the foyer, um, in, in the building, in the parking lot. Our, our, circ- our whole circle's not even six foot with four or five people in it. I would ask you to spread the word. To, let's go back this Sunday. Help us remember. It's okay to take a step back from somebody right now to, to help us do that. Listen. When those people are riding by on the road and they see us in the parking lot, they need to see us six foot apart. We need to be setting an example in the community for, for how to do this. We ought to be um, examples of everything. So I, I thank you for all your patience, all your perseverance, and all, you, all you've done. I thank you for Sunday, for the, the spirit that you, you brought in. But I'm excited to be moving forward with ministries. We may not be moving forward with all of them, but we are moving forward with several of them. We are moving forward with ministries that are teaching our children and our young adults in a time when they desperately need it. I do want to ask you to remember your prayer list, com. Look at your prayer list. Pray for all those on there. I would ask you to pray for the church. Continue to pray for the church as a whole around this country or around the world, the church, period. But certainly continue to pray for Faith Baptist Church, that that God would keep a hedge of protection about us and keep the COVID-19 out because that is an outbreak, is something that could, could halt services it could it could be a game changer so i'd ask you to to be in prayer for the church um also there on the website all the names i did get to talk to brother terry today um he's doing he's doing pretty good miss phyllis has got a surgery coming up i'd ask you to be praying for her they're gonna do some surgery where she fell about three or four weeks ago Um, i was talking calling him about mr norman smith um he and Ms. Yuda both were in the hospital earlier. He is home now. They, I think, He said that they both had pneumonia. Um, I'm not sure if Miss yuda has got to come home yet or not. I'm pretty positive that Mr. Norman got to come home a couple of days ago, but I'd ask you to continue to pray for them as well. Um, Michelle Nichols, I got a text yesterday from Jenny that they thought Michelle had maybe had a little mini-stroke, put her in the hospital. They have transported her to Atlanta. She was in an ICU unit as late as lunchtime today. Not sure what all is going on there, but they've they've had a tough time. Bobby just got over the COVID nineteen. They they have had several weeks. I'd ask you to continue to pray for them and um, Susan Bailey. I won't go into details. I will ask you to please be an earnest earnest prayer for that family. They they have had the most horrendous past month of, of probably anybody that I know. And I mean, I know obviously. People dealing with a lot of hard things, but they, they have had unbearable. If it wasn't for the grace of God, there's no way they could get up in the morning and put one foot before the other. But they are a testimony of God's strength. They are a testimony of God's grace. They are a testimony of God's goodness. But they need your prayer. So I'd ask you to continue to pray for that entire family. Also, the Pemberton family. We may not have music for a little while. Um, Tim uh, has had COVID-19. Miss Joy came down with it. I'd ask you to be in prayer there for the baby, um, that God would keep a hedge of protection there. And um, Yesterday, the day before yesterday, they were getting a little better. Miss Joy was even getting a little better. They're just still really weak. But this morning, actually it was yesterday evening, Tim said that his fever had gone way back up. And, and he was feeling bad again, kind of a, a relapse. So I would ask you to please be in prayer for, for the Pemberton family. The, the children are still doing good. So far, and pray that, that God would keep that out of there. I know they'd appreciate it. Um, Jacob Maddox, um, he he's doing well. Last time I talked to him, recovering well. He didn't he didn't seem like he didn't talk like he either. He's tough as nails, um, which may be the case, or he didn't have quite as bad a case. He didn't seem, but but they do need your prayer. I'll tell you that. But there's several others that are dealing with COVID-19, and some are certainly have some really really bad. Issues. I ran into a friend the other day that had had it, and he, he said he laid in the bed and asked God, if you're not going to heal me, would you please take me home? He said it was absolutely unbearable, the pain, things went through. And I've had about three or four people describe it that way. So I'd ask you to be in prayer. Uh, also, if you've got anybody to add to the prayer list, and I know we, we'll get started in a minute, but i got some things I wanted to share with you. Um, but the prayer list, if you've got anybody to add to the prayer list, you'd please call the church office or either email it to the church website there, and Miss Sylvia get it. Add the names to the prayer list. Please get them on there, and please be faithful to, to pull those lists up and look at both pages, read those names, and call their names out before God. They, they need our prayer. They desire prayer, and God answers our prayer. He answers your prayer, and I thank you for your faithfulness to pray. So tonight, Romans, we'll continue our study. We made it to chapter 3. Of the book of Romans last week, and I went ahead and read <laughs> the first six verses, but we really didn't discuss them. We just read them, took a look at them, and it was kind of at a, a stopping point in time without getting in the middle of something and having to stop, so we went ahead and pulled up there, but but we're going to go ahead and pick up there today. Last week, Paul was, was telling the Jew that knowing the law doesn't make you a Jew, circumcision Doesn't make you a Jew. Those are things from from the inside. Just like circumcision doesn't make a Jew a Jew. He's either a Jew or he's not. The circumcision has nothing to do with it. The same thing is true in today's world. Knowing what is right. Knowing what you should do. Knowing the will of God and salvation. Knowing the things about Christ. That's not what gets you saved. Knowing to do right and doing right is to different things, knowing to do right, showing up occasionally on a Sunday morning at church or doing those things, that doesn't make you a Christian any more than the circumcision makes a Jew a Jew. It's what's in the heart of the man that matters. We even looked at it last week. Even James talked about it to be you doers of the word and not hearers only. We we are to do the word, live the word. If the word is real in us, if the word is alive and well, if we are washed in the blood, if we are anointed, With the Holy Ghost, we are filled with the Spirit of God. If we are indeed a child of God, we will do the things of God because it matters. It's what's inside that comes out. And we're going to finish up tonight, um, Lord willing, if we get to that spot, we may get a little past that, but somewhere toward the end of the study, we're going to come back and look at that same thing. It's what's on the inside of a man that matters. Here in Romans chapter 3, verse number 1. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because it unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our righteousness, if our unrighteousness Commend the righteousness of God. What shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? Father, thank you for this letter. Thank you for this book in its entirety. From in the beginning to amen. Lord, I love this book. I love everything about this book, I love that it was inspired of the Holy Spirit. I love that the same Holy Spirit lives inside of us as Christians. I love that as we read this book, that Holy Spirit inside gets excited as we look at the Word. I love that the Holy Spirit, when we look at things in our human minds and, and we don't understand that the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that also authored the book begins to explain things and point out things. And the book comes alive. God, I thank you for living water that stirs up our soul and gives us hope in some dark times and peace in some troubled waters, God. I thank you, Father, for this precious book. I thank you for your spirit. I ask you, God, would you move tonight through the airways, God. I know there's no one in this building save a handful of us, But God, I pray that there's many watching out on live stream. I pray that your spirit would move and do as you will, God. Move upon the hearts of men and help us, God, to learn about you, God. Help us to truly be doers of the word and not hearers only, that we might seek your face, learn your word, and do your will, God. We love you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. It's amazing how much people pretend in their relationship with God, how much they, they pretend uh, about their, their walk with the Lord or their personal relationship. You know, people can go a whole week and basically never mention God. They can go an entire week and spend little, if any time at all, in prayer. They can go an entire week and not open this book they, they can throw it on the, on the back dash of the car or in the seat just to make sure that it's still there next Sunday when they get back so they don't forget it. To be honest, we've gotten in a world today that a lot of people don't even bother to carry a Bible anymore because they have it in their phone. So now you're even more guilty because you have it in your phone. And I know for a fact you ain't never out of reach of your phone. You may not can touch your Bible. You may not even know where it's at. You may have to spend some time on Saturday night or Sunday morning tearing the house apart, throwing covers, digging clothes, looking in closets. You may have to find this, but I know for a fact you ain't got to find your phone. You can touch it at all times. You start getting all kind of all all excited and bent out of shape if you out of reach of your phone if you can't hear it ring. So I know your phone's with you, which creates a greater accountability because pretty much I would imagine all Christians have some form of Bible app I hope you do. Download it into your phone. I hope you have a good daily reading plan. Download it into your phone. I hope you have a good reminder on it that reminds you every morning to read your scriptures. And it gives you some things. I hope that that you have many um, commentaries. I hope you have some some Adrian Rogers or some Charles Stanleys or or some some people that are putting some devotions out on on a daily. I hope you have those things in your phone. But that makes it even more effective that you have your phone, which means you have the Word of God in it with you daily. And you go from Sunday morning to Sunday morning and never open the Bible out. Never look at the devotions. There will be accountabilities to that. People claim to have a relationship with God. They come into the house of God on Sunday morning. Well, most Sunday mornings, Sunday night, well, that's asking a lot. to have to come back on a Sunday night and God forbid, Wednesday, I mean, that's middle a little weak, but listen, I'm not casting a stone. Some people can't come on Wednesday nights, and maybe you are tired on Sunday nights, but but at least every Sunday morning you get here. But I'm more concerned about what you do Monday through Saturday. I'm more concerned about your spirit being alive and well. People talk about having this, this relationship with Christ. If you have a relationship with Christ, then you have to have the spirit living in you. And the spirit that lives in you cannot go an entire week without talking with his father. He cannot go an entire week without getting on his knees in prayer. He can't drive up and down the road seven days a week, several times a day without talking to the Father in prayer. He can't go an entire day without opening the book and reading it. So people talk about their relationship with God, but there is no outward evidence of that. We live in a time now where where people will want to talk about church, and and, and most people, most people today, they they don't mind you talking about church as long as you don't talk about hell. They, They don't mind you Talking about religion or even God, as long as you don't bring up that there's only way, only one way, and his name is Jesus Christ. People don't mind saying, oh, thank God, or, or putting to God, because there's kind of no offense there, because they know some people can take many different avenues. Just don't bring up the name of Christ. That's, that's where they start getting uncomfortable and uneasy. People don't mind you talking about church, as long as it doesn't get personal, as long as it doesn't get in their bubble and start kind of pointing out the lack of their relationship. Paul says, what advantage has the Jew or what profit is the circumcision? Well, the answer, without Christ, is there is no advantage. There's no advantage to anyone without Christ. It doesn't matter what your name is, where you came from, who you are, or what your parents do, or how much money you have. Without Christ, there is no advantage. Verse number three, for, for what if some did not believe? It says, shall not their... Or shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Paul, Paul says, what if some are unfaithful? I, I, left, I left out a little bit. I want, I want to back up and cover it um, because I, want, I wanted to talk for just a minute. I, I put a, a scripture right here from John chapter 4, and I, and I kind of passed it right there. But I, I want to back up and pick this up in John chapter 4 because I think it's important. It's a Bible story, and it's a story that Jesus himself told. It's an event that ap- actually happened with Jesus. But, but it points out where a lot of people are today. It, it points out how a lot of people are in our world. It's, it's the woman at the well in John chapter 4. See, this woman, she went to the well in the middle of the day on purpose. She went there at that time of day deliberately so she didn't have to talk to people. She knew the the other women that came. She didn't want to talk about church. She's divorced five times. She's living with a man she's not married to. She's obviously got a whole lot of stuff going on in her life. She don't want to talk about that. She's got a bad name around town. She's not very well known in the community. She don't want to be around these people. There's a reason she came in the middle of the day. She sees Jesus there. Jesus asks her the question. He he, he gives her an instruction. He says, go, call thy husband to come hither. Now, see, she came not wanting to see anybody, but Jesus is there. and, And now Jesus is going to talk in her mind, religion, if you will. Now, she doesn't really mind a whole lot talking the, the religion right here until the truth started getting too close to home. See, most people don't mind you talking about church. A lot of people don't even mind the preaching as long as we don't point out anything in your world. You, you stay on them homosexuals, and you knock out them drunks and them drug addicts and, and those adulterers and... And I many people on prison, those rapists and murder boy, you hammer them home. But but don't get into my petty sins now, don't don't get over in in my bubble. And that that's kind of where the world's at. Well, see this this is this woman. Jesus got in her bubble when he said go call your husband and and you and him both come on back. She thought she could just get out of it. She said I have no husband. She thought that'd be the end of the story. That's the simplest way to get out of it, because I ain't planning on coming back. But Jesus said, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. He whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that saidest thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Wow. She became a brain surgeon all of a sudden. She got brilliant. God, God just, Jesus God in the flesh just told her her past. She's thinking, I've never seen this man before in my life. He knows this stuff about him. I perceive that a prophet. But then she tries to change the subject. Let's get this off of me. That, that's enough. Let's, let's don't talk about what's going on in my life. She says, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. You say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. See, she tries to take the main topic and turn it, but Jesus just brings it back home. woman. Believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither worship in this mountain, nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. She didn't mind the discussion of religion as long as it didn't get too close to home. That's kind of where the world's at today. That's where a lot of casual Christianity is today today. A lot of people don't mind us preaching and talking right now. Let's just don't talk about those that are sitting home and calling it because of COVID-19. I'm sorry. I could swallow that pill better if I didn't run into you at Walmart and the grocery store and Home Depot and run into you at restaurants and see you driving up down the road. Listen, I could swallow your pill. I have no problems at all. You tell me I can't come to church. I'm waiting on this to die down a little bit. But if that's true, I don't really think I ought to see you around town. If you wait on this to die down a little bit, somebody ought to be bringing you your groceries. You ought not be building nothing at your house. You ought not be going out to the lake and then going out to eating and stopping over at the marina and hanging out at the gas pumps. If you really are staying in, I shouldn't be seeing you everywhere else. Now, people don't mind me preaching on hell and all those wicked ones, but you don't like that right there because, because that starts getting a little too close to home. But that's where we're at in today's world. We want our ears tickled, but the Bible talks about that in the day that, that they'll want they'll have itching ears. They'll they want to be tickled behind the ear. They wanna hear real good, feel good preaching that tells you how good you are. Well, you're only as good as the blood that's on you. And if the blood ain't on you, you're no good at all. And if the blood is on you, you're gonna you're gonna live it. It's gonna show up in us. Well, all that was an add-on. I really just wanted to back up and read, but that's okay. I enjoyed it anyway. Paul says, what advantage, I'm going to go back to where I was in verse number three, what advantage is a Jew? He says, for what if some did not believe in verse number three? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Paul says, what if some are unfaithful? What if some of them don't believe? Is that going to change the faithfulness of God? He says, God forbid. He said, I mean, absolutely not. Let God be true, but every man a liar. Then he says, as it is written. That means, that we, we all know that. That means in the word of God, it's already been said. Paul said, I'm not making anything up. I'm not adding my own stuff to this. Let me give you the book. Listen, if it don't come from the book, you really don't make a hill of beans what it is. If you want to talk to somebody and you want to talk about truth, stay with the book. Your opinion is... It is this book is all that matters. Stay with the book. Paul says hey let's just go back to the book. This is what the book says. Let God be true and every man a liar. The truth has already been spoken. So Paul said let's just take the truth and bring it over and put it here. There's no reason for me to try and answer what God has already ta- God's already talked about. God's already wrote it. David wrote about it in Psalms chapter 51. This is after his sin with Bathsheba. This is after Nathan the prophet has come and pointed out and said, Thou art the man. This is after David has been confronted with this sin, and now he's confessed it before God, and he wrote in Psalms fifty one, verse one Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, Cleanse me from my sin for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. But then we have the words that Paul spoke of here that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. God is ever merciful. God is ever true. God never lies. Can't lie. He is pure and holy and righteous. God never goes back on His Word. God is always faithful. So if there's anything wrong in the equation, it's not God. It falls on us. Verse number 5, here in our text, Romans chapter 3, Paul goes on and says, But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? And then he says, I speak as a man. There were those in the day, we see here in the letter, there were those in the day that they were preaching that our unrighteousness actually enhances God's forgiveness. It's like it, it lets people see God's forgiveness more in our wickedness. So the more we sin, the better God's grace looks. And, and that's what they're saying. That is completely contradictory to everything that the Word of God says. Everything about God's Word says that we're to live godly lives, peaceable lives, holy lives. We're to walk in His Word and walk in His direction. But these men are saying that, that it's in their unrighteousness that, that God's forgiveness is, is added to. They're, they're saying that to sin is a good thing. Paul says for those who are teaching that it's good for somebody to sin, that, and that that alone helps to magnify God's character. Once again, Paul says, God forbid. How then, or then how, shall God judge the world? Verse number 7. I want to go a little further. Let me read a few more verses. For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? Not rather, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, that's Paul's enemy talking about him. We'll look at that in just a minute. Some slanderously reported, let us do evil that good may come, Whose damnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. So we see there in that text that obviously some of Paul's enemies and seems like Paul has enemies everywhere. And if you're standing for the truth of the Word of God, so do you. If the world loves you, you can't be standing with Christ. He said, don't be upset. Don't be deceived. Don't let it bother you when the world hates you. They hated me first, and if they hated me, they're going to hate you also. They're going to hate you for standing on the truth. They're going to hate you for standing against sin. They're going to hate you for standing against the wickedness of this world. They're going to hate you for standing against the things that are against God and standing up for truth and righteousness. So Paul had some enemies because he's standing on the truth, and some of his enemies are obviously saying that, well, Paul says that you should commit sin in order to enhance God's glory. Paul says that's a lie. The people telling that are liars. They're not only lying against the truth. They're not only lying against the scripture, but they're lying against me. And in their lives, they are only condemning themselves. Understand when someone is tearing you down, when someone hates you, when someone is teaching against you, If you were standing on the authority of the Word of God and you were standing in the truth of this book and you were living your life as pure and holy and as righteous as you can and someone is condemning you, you don't have to defend yourself God will defend you. He may not defend you in the here and now, but judgment day is coming. Don't get caught up in the little yak-yak and get your mouth caught up in with their mouth and cost yourself rewards. You let them say what they say. You continue to preach the gospel. You continue to live in the word of God, and their own mouth will bring their own condemnation on them. That's what Paul says. Let them talk about me. Let them say their stuff. All they're doing is condemning themselves with their lives. Paul is pointing out there's a difference between religion and truth. That there is a difference between a true child of God and a poser. There's a difference in somebody who is washed in the blood and somebody who is pretending by coming to church, there, there is a difference between somebody who talks to talk on Sunday and someone who walks to walk Monday through Saturday. There, there is a difference, and everyone will stand accountable for their own life. Everyone will stand accountable for their own reactions or their own actions. Paul, once again, he, he doesn't rely here on his own understanding, he doesn't try to get into his own teaching he doesn't try to invent something new he reaches back once again and he pulls up from the word of God and says as it is written in verse number 10 there is none righteous no not one there is none that understandeth there is none that seeketh after God Paul uses the words none and not one six times here in these two sentences he is making it as clear as and as point blank and as plain as he personally as he possibly can, there is not one person righteous, not one Jew, not one Gentile, not one black man, not one white man, not one red man, not one yellow man, not somebody that speaks in English, not somebody Latino, not somebody German, not somebody Korean, not somebody French, there is none. No one that is righteous. Everyone is a born sinner in the sight of God. And everyone will stand before God a sinner. And only those who are washed in the blood will be justified of their sins. Paul said there is a difference. It takes more than cheap talk. It takes walking a religious, a uh, 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 spirit-filled life. Religion can't justify man. Man by nature cannot do what is right in the sight of God. I I don't have time to to go off over there, but things come to my mind, and I don't know, sometimes I look back and wish I probably shouldn't have even shared them, but I can tell you in my life, I wasn't always a Christian, but I always knew what was right. I was brought up in a home. I was carried to church. I was taught what was right. I always knew what was right. I can tell people I can tell people who know what's right. I can tell that because I see their vocabulary change. And it's easy for me to look back to who I once was. It's easy for me to look back to where I come. I see people, they they get around certain folks, and and they talk churchy. They, They have a churchy lingo. But you get them on the golf course... And all of a sudden, they find four-letter adjectives that don't belong inside these four walls. You, you get them fishing, or you get them off outdoors. You get them around their buddies. You get them on a work site. All of a sudden, their vocabulary changes. If they didn't know it was wrong, they'd use the same cuss words in church. They, they, they know it, so, so they change. They, they, I'm sorry, that is pretenders you're pretending to be something in the house of God that you're not living out there in the world. Well, all that is free, too. I don't lost my place altogether on where I'm even supposed to be preaching right here. Religion can't justify a man. Let me just get back to where I was, see if I can find out somewhere to get back into my message. A lot of people in today's world, they think that they're good. They think that they deserve heaven. They think that they're righteous. They think that they're holy. They think that that God owes them something. God should be good to them. God should bless them. God should keep disease away from the house. But but see, they're judging by their standards. They think these things because they go to church on Sunday morning more often than not. They take their children to Sunday school most of the time, you know there's a good ball game or something, but most of the time, they, they have them there in church, and, you know, there's been a few times when that plate came by, they, they put a few bucks in it, and you know, it was that one time when we did that fundraiser so that those children could go somewhere, and they they did put that $10 in the plate, and also, you know, that time when that dude was standing beside the road there at that red light and, and had that sign needed help, they had a couple of dollars in the console, and they gave him those two ones, and People are judging themselves by their own standards. They compare themselves to their neighbors who don't go to church on Sunday. They compare themselves to the ones that they see on the news that are out there robbing and looting and tearing stuff down and, and being filthy and all manner of evil. They, they compare themselves to their coworkers. you know, the one that, that comes in on Monday talking about the ridiculous things that they did over the weekend. That's what they compare themselves to. And when they look at that, they say, I'm a pretty good fellow. I don't really hurt nobody. I don't really say nothing. I don't really do a whole lot wrong. I, I'm a pretty good fellow. And they think that on those grounds that they measure up. I got news for you if, that's, if you're one of those. God's not going to measure you by that standard. God's not going to stand you up against your neighbor. God's not going to stand you up back to back with your coworker. He's going to stand you side by side with the perfect, holy, unblemished lamb of the son of the living God. That's what he's going to measure you by. That's the standard He's going to hold up to. And everyone is going to fail miserably when compared to Jesus Christ. God is going to measure everything by by His Word. God is going to take this book. Do you know why it's important for you to read the Bible every day? Do you know why it's important for you to spend time in the Word of God? Why it's important for you to know what the Bible says? Because this is your standard. This is your measuring stick. God is going to stand you up. With, this has got every word, pure and true and holy. Everything that you're going to be judged by is written right here. It's important for you to understand. You're not going to be judged by, by the Joneses. Sorry, I, I shouldn't use names, but that's just kind of keep up with the Joneses. It's an old slander. But he's not going to be worried about you keeping up with the Joneses or, or anybody else. He's not going to worry if you got... Richardson kind of money, you know, that high-dollar stuff. He's going to measure you against the poor. Hey, don't be cutting me off. I'm sorry. You can't never mess with your sound man or your cameraman That's, or, or, or your, your video. I'm, I'm seriously outnumbered. It's three to one. God is going to hold you to a much higher standard than mankind. God doesn't judge by human standards. He judges by his standards of absolute perfection. That's why it is important. Verse number 11, he says, There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. We saw the same thing when we were studying Paul's letters to the church at Corinth. We looked there in the first letter in the second chapter, verse number 14. He said, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know, because they are spiritually Discerned. See, God gave mankind some incredible blessings. He He really did. God God gave us so much. I'm not talking about the materialistic possession and all. I'm talking about what God gave us mentally and what God gave us physically. God gave us the ability to think. God gave us the ability to 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 comprehend. To God gave us the ability to learn to read a form of communication. He, he gave us the ability to learn to read so that he could write us a love letter to tell us what he expected. That, and he gave us the ability to comprehend that we might read and comprehend what it says so that we might know the truth. He gave man intelligence. He's given us the ability not only to communicate, but he's given us the ability to invent things and to create things. God has given us a, a level of intellect Way above all of the other animals of the field, God has given us some great things. But when it comes to the things of God, by nature, man is clueless. Because of the sin, because of the separation on the things that matter most, mankind is clueless. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me the things that people will believe. It's it's amazing how easy it is to convince someone that it's raining. If it ain't rained in a month, and the sun's blazing hot. It's amazing how easy it is to just convince people of ridiculous stuff. People will believe things like Darwin's theory. My goodness, how, how ridiculous can they... The ridiculous foolishness of evolution... How could you even begin to believe something so ridiculously stupid that a drop of water, I'm sorry, one one of our one of our first through fifth graders just got on me because I just said stupid in the pulpit again. I'd have been in trouble for that twice, but stupid is, stupid does, Mama always says. I learned that from Forrest Gump, right? Stupid is stupid. You would have to be stupid stupid to believe in evolution, that, that a drop of anything, you'd have to be stupid to believe in a big bang theory. That was an explosion. Where did it come from? That there was an amoeba, and that amoeba part, and it became different. And now every living cell, every living organism, every animal, every plant, every molecule, everything came from that one, and it all evolved into this, but then it just stopped, and this is where we are. You would have to be absolute Ignorant beyond imagination to believe such stupid things. Yet the, the, the people that call themselves intelligent in this world, God said professing themselves to be wise, they became as fools. They believe in the stupidest things. They, they believe in superstitions and quirky little habits and old wives' tales that was handed down through generations. They believe in all the crazy whims of man, but they won't believe the truth. You you hand them the word of God, the written word of God that is the only absolute on this planet. And they want to argue about it. They they don't want to accept the reality. They'll accept almost anything in the name of religion. You can come to them and they believe religious stuff. You can give them anything in the name of religion. Just don't start talking about the one that died to save them. Just, Just don't start talking about Christ. The devil doesn't mind you being religious. He don't mind you sitting on a pew all the way to hell. He don't mind if you slide right off the front row and straight into hell. That don't bother him a bit. devil don't mind you being religious or part-time. That don't bother none of them. But don't talk about the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't even talk about the name of Jesus Christ because the demons of hell can't take that one. They can't stand that one. That is the name by which every demon must flee. All the devils of hell must get out of town when you start talking about Jesus. Well, they can handle anything else. People don't mind you talking about religion. Just don't talk about that name. People today, <laughs> in order to form their own imaginations and their, their own absolutes, and their, in order to comfort themselves so that they can sleep at night, they tell themselves, I'm a pretty good person. Besides, there, there's, there's lots of ways to get to heaven. I know there is. I heard Oprah Winfrey when she said it. Oprah Winfrey said, Well, there's thousands of ways to get to heaven. There has to be. Well, here's a news flash for you. Whoever told that to Oprah Winfrey forgot to tell it to God so God doesn't know it so God thinks there's only one way and God's only going to go by one way so you might better forget Oprah Winfrey and get on tune with the one because they forgot to pass that memo along to God and God's still thinking that his son Jesus Christ is the only begotten one, he's the only perfect lamb, he's the only spotless, sinless sacrifice that paid the price and that is the only way God's going to let you in. The world don't want you to talk about that. People say it don't matter what you believe. It don't matter what you believe as long as you truly believe it. As long as you truly believe it. That's all that matters. Well, the Bible says the demons of hell believe in fear and tremble in the Son of the living God, but they ain't going to heaven. But, you know, hey, as long as you believe it. Well, what about this? Let's just... What if you believe? I, I mean, you believe. You, you firmly you believe this. Nothing can tell you different. You believe that 2 plus 2 equals 10. You believe it. Nothing can tell you. You believe it. Does it make it equal 10? Absolutely not. You can believe it all you want, but it's still going to equal four. When you get up tomorrow, I don't care what you believe. It's the same. It's not about what you believe. If, if You know, math has its absolutes. And you can try to work outside of math if you want to, but if you get out of the absolutes, the problems won't come. You can get into tri- trigonometry and calculus, and you can work things for pages and problems, and you stay within the law of mathematics and you work it out. That problem will come to the same conclusion every time. But if you get outside of the law of mathematics and you do one thing wrong, you will miss the correct answer. That's the Word of God. It is absolutely perfect. If you stay within the confines of the perfection of the Word of God, it will bring you to the same answer every time, and the answer is the cross. The answer is we are sinners. The cross paid the price, and Jesus is the way. But if you get outside of those confines, you're going to come up with the wrong answer every time. Well, thank you, Jesus. Men, by nature... Men by nature, they just don't understand. They don't understand how vile they are. We don't understand how vile we are. We don't understand how wicked we are. We don't understand how sickening it is for God to have to look down on us in our sin. That's what makes the blood of Jesus so special. It allows God to look down and see us as holy and as righteous, to see us as His Son. Men men don't get it. They don't, they don't comprehend The true holiness of God. The the purity of God. They don't understand how righteous God is. Next verse. Next part of that one. Paul says. There's none. That seeketh after God. You know man doesn't go looking for God. Thank God he comes looking for us. Thank God man didn't go looking for him. He sent Jesus. Jesus to find us, the lost sheep, the ones lost out of the pasture, the ones lost and on our way to hell. He came to find us, and he brought, brought the Holy Spirit that, that we might be drawn to him. Jesus said in John 6:44, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Thank God. For the Holy Spirit that draws us. By nature, man does not look for God. But because of that void that is within us, man does look for something. When, when, when the Spirit was removed, it left a void in man. And because of that void, man is searching this earth through money and, and all type of lewd perverted stuff trying to fill that void but the only thing that can fill it is God and it is the Holy Spirit that uses that void to draw all men unto Him. Paul here is talking about everybody. All men. All women. No one is excluded from what Paul is teaching. He goes on. Let me look at a couple more verses. I'm about out of time. Let me look at a couple more verses and then we'll close and we'll pick back up on these next week. I do want at least at least kind of bump into these two scriptures real quick before we close. Verse number 12 and 13. They're all gone out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. We'll come back and look at that one. I want to look for just a minute. Verse number 13 says, Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Lord willing, we'll pick up here next week. But I, I want to go ahead and give you something to study on. Give you a little something to chew on here about verse number thirteen that you can hold on, and we'll we'll pick back up there. Everything that Paul is addressing here concerns the words of men, the the mouth, the deceit, the wickedness, the the vileness, all of the things that men say. Think about this in your daily life, out in the street. If you watch, if you watch the Anything on television, you can be trying to watch a good channel and a commercial come on, they'll have to beep words out. Beep, beep, beep. There are some, some shows that, that talk about fishing and things that, that I would love to watch, but I can't because I get tired of hearing the beep. I'm just not going to put that filth on in my house. You talk to people on the street. You, you think about the, the vile and the filthy language that they use. Think about all the four-letter words that, that you're hearing. Think about all of the unkind words that are spoken. Think about the things that are said by humanity against humanity, one man against another. Think about all of the things that that come out of the mouth. Think about about all the lies that are told. This is a great time to bring up lies. This is an election year. I think that's what all this mess is about anyway. You want to see some lies, just turn on a television. You find any kind of political campaign, I don't care which side it's on. You want to see about some lies, just talk to some politicians. Think about all the lies that are coming out of the mouths of men right now. But then, then just for a minute, just for a minute, I, I don't want to distract you away from what I just told you. That's not your measuring stick. That's not what you're going to be judged by. This is. So let's look at our own lips for just a minute. Have you spoken any unkind words to anybody? Have you, have you slandered anybody? Have you, have you used vile language? Have have you torn someone down behind their back? Or maybe even worse, have you insulted them to their face? Have, have, have you used your lips to, to tear someone down? Have you said anything that is unkind? Have you said anything that is unholy? Have you said anything that is ungodly? Have, have you... Have you told anything that was untrue or maybe partially true? Listen, there's no partially true. It's either the truth or it's a lie. I know we like to build things up and, and little lies and add to and take away. If it's not true, it's a lie. Have you spoken anything that's not true? Have you torn others down? Has anything, let me, let me just do this and we'll move on, I'll close. Has anything that come out of your mouth been unholy, unpure? Unrighteous before God. Anything that came out of your mouth, Paul's talking about that. And here's what he says. He compares the mouth, the throat right there, the throat to the mouth, being an open sepulcher. Just to make sure on the same page, the sepulcher is a grave. It is that hewn out in the side of the mountain when they go into the rocks. They hewn out a grave. They place the body in it and they put a stone over it so that it does not stink. But what Paul is saying right here is that the mouth is like an open grave, like an open sepulcher that has no stone. Now, here's what happens. When you get around the mouth, the mouth stinks. But it's not the mouth. It's from what's inside that's causing the stink. It's not the sepulcher that stinks. It's not even the mouth or the distance around it. When you take the stone away, the stench is coming from what is inside the sepulcher. Paul said, that's what your mouth is like. The stench that comes out of the mouth of a man isn't from the mouth. It's from the heart of the man. It comes from deep down inside. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, that this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. He called the multitude to and said, Hear and understand not that which goeth out of the mouth that goeth into the mouth that defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth this defileth the man. Chapter twelve, verse thirty-four. it says, "O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak of good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. When you are saying anything ungodly, untrue, unholy, impure." Against When you are saying anything with your mouth that is not of God, your mouth is a stench like a dead person coming out of the mouth of a tomb. It is a stench in the nostrils of God. And he says it comes from the heart. It's not the mouth we need to work on. It's the heart we need to work on. Well... We'll pick up there next week. I'm not near through with that verse, and I want to back up and pick up verse number 12. But Lord willing, we'll pick up right there and look at that just a little bit more. I hope to see many of you here next Wednesday night. I'm excited about having the, the youth, the young adults, and have them back on the campus and back in the things of God. I'm excited about seeing some of you. I'm, I'm ready to have some folks in here, see somebody sitting around. I'm thankful for the three or four that's in here to help. Make this happen every Wednesday, but we're ready to see some more folks. We're ready to see some family. Mask will be required. I ask you to just bring them back in. I'm going leave all that up to you. Put your mask on. You get out of the car. Come on in. Put your children down there. We'll get out. But I'm excited about you being here. I hope you can be here Sunday morning. I was very encouraged to have had as many people as we did July 4th and as many as we did down in the youth. I hope to, I hope to fill this main level up in the social distancing and have to open the balcony. And to be honest, that that could very well, I know a lot of us are getting back from vacation, that could very well happen this Sunday. So hope to see all of you here Sunday. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being so good. Thank you for this book. Thank you for this word. Help me, God. Help me, God, to to cleanse my heart that my mouth might be pure. God, I know there's many things that don't ever make it to my mouth, but they sure make it into my mind, and the stench has to be just as bad. God, help me, Father. Lord, we need help controlling the heart. We need help controlling the mind and thinking pure thoughts and godly thoughts. I pray for everybody watching tonight. Would you anoint them with your Holy Spirit? Would you fill them with your goodness, God? May it rise up in them, God, that we might be a light to a lost and dying world. Help us, God, to be pleasing to you. We love you so much. You've been so good. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. I hope you have an amazing day. Rest of your week, and I hope to see all of you Sunday morning at 10.30. Love you all.